This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Um, actually, what I'm, what, what I'm going to do tonight, um, which I never did here before, I just came back from Eretz Yisrael, and um, it was amazing. And Baruch Hashem, I have a minute in Eretz Yisrael that every single morning that I'm in Eretz Yisrael, I go to Vosikin. Vosikin, as you know, is to Davin Shmona at the time that the, um, that the sun comes up. And Baruch Hashem, um, the person who picks me up to go to Wasikin, Wasikin was, Shmonesra was 6.36. Um, so we start davening at 6, and he picked me up at 3. So, being that he picked me up at 3 o'clock, thank you very much. Being that he picked me up at 3 o'clock, I got to the Chrysler after the mikvah, like a quarter to four. I had two hours every morning of peace and quiet, no phones, nobody that knew me, because anyone who knows me doesn't get up at 3 o'clock. And... Um, there's a minig, there's a minig to say what we call, it's called chayk. Chayk is um, every single day, I don't get a chance to say it here, but every single day there's a sefer, it's called chayk. And um, every single day of the week it has chumish, navi, suvim, mishnah, gemara, kabbalah, musr, halacha. So every single day you cover pretty much and it's um, it's amazing. It takes a little while to say. And since I was there every day early, I had a chance to say chayk every day. So, tonight I'm going to share with you from the Zoya, from the Kabbalah part of chayk, for, the, for pretty much the ten days that I was there. Um, and really most of what he was speaking about, the Zoya, is Shabbos. And I think it's a subject that... Um, Something that we can all grow this week. It's one of the Sarah Sidibros. So Mitzvah Hashem, a big part of the Shia. I know you don't like it. You like when I tell stories and when I'm not looking in the Sefer. But I don't know the Zayah Balpeh. So I can't say to you without looking in the Sefer. But in Mitzvah Hashem, it's very fascinating. And uh, so we're going to do some Chayk tonight. We're going to do some Zayah. But before we do that, we're going to learn Lilay Nishmat Amlan Ben Zulai, Fushalei Mariel Ben Bloria, Bloroza Badina. Cecilia Bat Fager, Reza Bat Shloimi, Eliezer Ben Devor, Eliezer Ben Devor Vera, Chaim Rufal Ben Nona, Cherna Bat Haya, Bat Chaya, Sarah Bet Nechama, Nechama Bat Sarah, Yelet Bat Shandel, Gabriela Bas Oresh Prinza, Badam Bas Kalina, Yal Bas Oresh Prinza, Efraim Ben Yaakov Ben Freda, Okab Prinza Bas Brainia, Maya Bas Anita, Ben Chaim Ben Marishana, and Gregory Ben Nadja, Malka ben Bas Miriam, Yehuda ben Sara, Shemliyeza ben Chayesar Elka, Sabushlamas Badava, Ahuba Bas Chana Peril, Marachayese ben Bashem, Moshe ben Al Tatsi, Yechesku Yisrael ben Sara, Moshe ben Masha Gittel, Shlame ben Shalom Marachayel, Levi ben Rifka, Yenis and Levi ben Malka, Yaakov Yehuda ben Shendel, Yerah Bas Etta, Fire Freema, Etta Bas Esther Rifka, Yishava Bas Devara, Rav Aaron Yehuda Leib and Gittel Feiger Chaim Yitzchak Ben Rifkolei Rav Yitzchak Tovia Ben Chukil. Huh? That's what it looks like. Chukil. Oh, Rifki. Rifki. No, I think this one here. Rav Yitzchak Tovia Ben Rickel. Rickel. Okay. Fine. That's the name, I guess. It's a Tovia Ben Rickel. Ben Yaakov Ben Golda. Yenta. and Rufal ben Esther and Rufka Basara, Chamyana ben Dabi, Yisrael Menachem Bas Yeparel, Yena, Yena, no, Yisrael Menachem ben Bas Yeparel, Yena ben Zipparel, Chaim, Moshe ben Ora, Moshe ben Miriam, Esther Reza Bas Dabar, Sobo Shlamet Bas Dabar, Michael Bas Sorol, El Tihudis Bas Chayafega, 
Lina Basara and Sima Bashenya, Moshe Eliezer ben Miriam, Chanabasi ben Sarul Nasul, David Tovi ben Sar, Rikolevi Baschaya, Moshe Bas Masha Gitzel, Hashem ben Cyril. Okay. For this week's Pasha, starts of course it's Yisrael, Matan Torah. These are all the Pashas for Yisyamsuf and all the good things that happen to Klai Yisrael. And in this week's Pasha is Matan Torah. What it starts with for Yishma Yisrael, which I think is very important. Yisrael, who was the priest of Midian, who was the Chaisen Maisha, he heard, everything that Hashem did to Yisrael, he that he took us out of Mitzrayim. So what is, so the Torah tells us that he heard that he took us out of Mitzrayim, but what's this, everything that Hashem did, Rashi says, Mashmur Shama, what did he hear? Ubar that he came. Kriyas Yamsuf Mukhalas Amalek. He heard Kriyas Yamsuf Mukhalas Amalek. So Lamai said, why does, why does this Pasha start with, with Yisrael coming? Um, because according to some, he heard Matan Taira, which means that he came after he heard Matan Taira. But in our Pasha, it's the Yishma Yisrael and then Matan Taira. So the, the real lesson over here, and I see it so much in, in my teaching over all the years, that so many people hear things. We come to a shir, we're talking about Lashon Hara, or whatever we're talking about, and you, you walk out and you say, well, like when Rabbi Rietti speaks, so it doesn't matter what he says. Everybody loves when he speaks, and he has a great English accent. Right? So sometimes people walk out and I'm like, so what did the rabbi say? I don't know. It was a great shit. I'm like, what do you mean it was a great shit? He has a great accent, right? So sometimes you come, what do you hear when you hear the shir? You hear the rabbi's accent. Or you hear funny stories. Or you hear Kabbalistic stories. But your life doesn't change. I've been talking about Facebook and internet, and I stopped in case any of you didn't realize. I don't talk about it anymore, right? Very, very little. I'm not the Facebook rabbi anymore. Um... And one of the reasons is that I spoke about it, I spoke about it, I spoke about it, but most of the people stayed on it. Now, how could I get up for an hour, scream my guts out, everyone's like, wow, shake your head, and you walk out of here and you still want it, you didn't change. Or many of the things we talk about, I tell stories about, it's like, wow, it was a great cheer. Sometimes, not such a great cheer, but, you know, it was a great cheer, and wow, and I'm gonna, and, and then two weeks later, I'm like, so? So, like, for instance, Jody got up tonight, and she said, we need volunteers. Now, half the people in this room have no idea whether or not the offices. So she said, we need volunteers. Tomorrow, the next day, the next day, next Tuesday is the, is the, is the Chinese auction, and we need volunteers. But half of you have no idea where, where she needs volunteers. So did everybody go up and run over to her and say, could you give me the address? Yes, there were some women on this side, but a lot of people didn't, right? So I understand. So why not? And the answer is, by Yishma Yisro, everybody hears the stories, right? But very few people react. The next passage says that after he heard what happened, by Yikach Yisro at Sipira, and she, he took Sipira and he took the the two children uh, with Shem Echad Geshem, right? She had two children with Shem Echad Eliezer, which is very interesting, by the by, by the way. Because what it should say is that one one of their names was Gershom, and the second one's name was Eliezer. But if you look at the pasuk, it says Gershom. The first one's name was Gershom. Because he said he was a stranger in a strange land. Eliezer. It should say If it says on the first son. And the second son should be Veshem Hashemi. It says, be each one Veshem Echad. So I heard today, today I heard this. It comes to teach us that every child you have, there's no first and second and third and fourth and fifth. Each one is called the first. So it's beautiful. The Pasuk says, the first was Gershon, and the first, and, and then Veshem Echad Eliezer, each one is an Echad. Each one is considered one. That's why the Torah doesn't say one and two. You know, many people say, oh, that's my third kid, that's my fourth kid, that's my seventh kid. No, that's your first kid, that's your first kid, that's your first kid, that's your first kid. Every single kid has to be, every single child has to be, your, your relation to that child has to be, that's like your first one. 
Okay. Anyway, so the Torah is telling us that he heard what in Yiddish we call daher. He didn't just hear. He, he, he reacted to it. And that, and that's the, that's the fantastic thing about Klai Yisrael in this week's parasha. And that is that they did Nasev and Nishma. Not Nishma and Nasev. Nasev and Nishma. They said, the first thing you have to do is you have to take a step. Then, you can talk about the story. And whatever. But if you didn't, if you walk out of a shear and you didn't change, if we don't have everybody in this shear calling Jody and saying, you know what? I have an hour on Sunday. I have an hour on Mati Shabbos. Whatever it is. If not every single person in this year, after she's asking for help, doesn't react, that means that you come here to be entertained. Let's come for an hour. Let's go to Wallerstein. Maybe I'll have a good story. You know? Maybe I'll even know the person in the story. Whatever. But you're not coming to change. So this, this Pasha, which is the Pasha of the Ten Commandments, which is the Pasha of Kleisel getting the Torah, it has to open up. With a Yisro. By Yishma Yisro, he heard Kriya Shamsuf. What about the rest of the world, ladies? They also heard about Kriya Shamsuf. They also heard about Mitzrayim. They also heard about Amalek. They also heard about the Mon. Why did you say by Yishma Yisro? That Yisro heard. You should say, by Yishma, the whole world heard. Because really, hearing is reacting. Yisro was the only one that after hearing about all this, got up took his grandchildren, took his daughter, and made a move and went to Klaistral and went to Moshe Benu. Everybody else didn't do anything. There's a very interesting Gemara. The Gemara says that uh, when they were getting the Torah, the world was shaking. If you had a glass of water, it was shaking. The whole world was shaking. So the Goyim, it's a Gemara. So the Goyim ran to their leader. Who was their leader? Bilam. Bilam was their leader. Bilam was there, Moshe Rabbeinu. So the Gemara says, they came running to Bilam, and they said to Bilam, what's going on? God's destroying the world? And Bilam said, no, God promised that he's not going to bring a mabel, that he's not going to destroy the world. So they said, so why is the whole world shaking? What's going on? So this was his lashon. He said that God is giving his chosen nation, which is his children, Kli Chemda, his most precious present. You have nothing to worry about. He's not destroying the world. Says the Gemara, they left Bilam and they went to the bar. They went to the bars. So they asked Akasha, one second. Bilam is your, is your leader. He's your Moshe Rabbeinu. Now you come to him, you're all nervous. The world's shaking. What's God doing? He's destroying the world. So now you're, right, the head of the, of the Abedizara world, Bila was the worst, was the lowest. He's saying to all these people that God is giving his most important, precious present to his chosen children. So Chazal asked, why did they all run to Harsinai? If their leader is saying, that God's children and he's giving his most precious thing, don't you want to be part of that? So they all should have ran. Oh my goodness, even, even Bilam knows how precious it is. Let's go get that Torah. And the Gemara says they went to the bar. They went to the bar. How could they go to the bar? And the answer is that they were worried the world's being destroyed. The minute they heard that the world's not being destroyed, even though he was talking after that and telling them great things, and all, they didn't hear that anymore. It didn't matter to them. Oh, my house is going to be up. You know, there's a hurricane coming, but my house is okay. Nothing's going to happen to my house. Fine. Have a good day. By the way, that's the difference during the hurricane. After the hurricane, the people went to volunteer in Seagate, and the people who went to volunteer in Queens, and the people in Flatbush, well, some of them went, some of them didn't go. What do you mean? We all heard the hurricane. We all heard Seagate was in the ocean. We all heard that Seagate was in the ocean. We had no electricity, no food, no houses. Some people got into their cars, went to Seagate, dug out the mud, went to raise money. And some people, some of us, didn't do anything. Because <coughs> we looked at our house, and I live in the middle of Flatbush, and my roof is on, my electricity is working, even though that one day it went out for three hours and went crazy, right? But my electricity is working, there's no mud or fish or eels, 
or lobsters in my, tr- in my basement. And that was it. I didn't do anything. So Vayishma and Vayishma, everyone heard about it. But some people did. Some people with massive Anishma. Let's go help. Then we'll try to figure out why, who. The government will help. The government won't help. There were people walking around that I went to because my wife was very involved in Seagate and helping Seagate. And I went to them and I said, you got to help. We need money. We don't have a refrigerator. We don't have anything. And they said, no, don't worry. The government will help. Meanwhile, the government didn't help at all in the end. The government will help. That's not Klai Yisrael. Klai Yisrael is massive Anishma. I'm going to help. And then... We'll figure out if the, gov- if the government comes along and it helps. Fine. It's the difference between people who, who, who make a difference in this world and people who don't make a difference in this world. We all hear the same things. Everybody hears the same things. The question is, what do you do with that? So Yisro, before Matan Torah started with, you have to know, everybody was at Matan Torah. Everybody was at Matan Torah. And it's interesting. Because it says in this week's parsha that they saw the they saw the the kailos, they saw the thunder, and they heard the lightning, and that there was fire and malachim, and the the mountain was burning. It was like a whole scene, it was a huge scene, right? Crazy stuff going on. Our production, a whole production. So they asked the kasha, "Why do we have to know about what? Well, that's not the important part." The important part is that we got the Torah. So Chazal say that so many people walked away from Harsinai and said, because we know what they do right after Harsinai, they made the Egel. How do you make an Egel? How do you make a golden calf after standing at Harsinai? Hashem says, the their souls left, their souls came back. Hashem said, the next, the, the next, the, the second one, their souls left. How do you go and make a little golden cow and bow down to it and make it your God. Everyone in this room is like, if I lived in that time, there's no way. No way. I stood by Hasinai, Ten Commandments, and then I'm going to go make an Abay Desert. There's no way. How do you answer that? They were just as smart as we were. They were just as firm as we were. And the answer, Chazal say, is that some people walked away from this whole thing and said, wow, what a firework production. Fire. Smoke, noise, amazing. They didn't even walk away with the Ten Commandments. It happened to me. You all know the story with the uh, with the red light, right? You all know my, the story with the red light with the girl with the red light. Who doesn't know the sto- Who does not know the story with the red light? You serious? Okay, then you need to hear the story. It's very important. But you know what? It's so true. It, when I when I was learning this, right? And, and the, and the Medjish talks about this. People walked away from our scene and said, wow, this is the first time I ever heard lightning. Hello? She got the Ten Commandments. Hashem was speaking for the first two. Right? But that's what they saw. In fact, the second, after they were broken, the second ones Hashem gave, there was no production. Nothing. No lightning, no thunder, no people's glasses shaking in the world. Nobody even knew about it. And it's very interesting. And one day I'm going to give you this share. I gave this share like 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Women asked me to give a share on Ayin Hara. And how Ayin Hara works, and if there is such a thing as Ayin Hara. And one of the proofs that there's an Ayin Hara is a Rashi. And the Rashi says, and how come the first time Hashem gave that service to Dibros, there was lightning and thunder, and this whole fire and smoke and all kinds of things. And the second time he gave the Torah, the Luchos, that lasted nothing. It was done very quietly. You know what Rashi says? That the first time, because there was such a production, got an Ayin Hara. The Luchos got an Ayin Hara, and that's why they broke. It's one of the, there are many proofs. You can't walk around and say, there's no such thing as Ayin Hara. You can't say that. And I don't know who came up with this thing. If you don't believe in it, it doesn't have an effect on you. I, I have never seen it written in a safer. It sounds like a mother's tale. Okay? Because I don't know who said it. I could just tell you, if you go through the Tamim and Hagim, who talks about Ayin Hara. First of all, the Gemara. The Gemara says, that they were a rabbanim, they walked by a graveyard. And the rabbi turned around the Tana and he said, 99% of the people in this graveyard are here because of Ayin Hara. Number one. It's a Gemara. A Rashi. Fascinating Rashi. So you cannot say that it doesn't exist. Fascinating Rashi by Sari Imenu. And it says the following. That when Hagar was thrown out of the house, 
She took Yishmael and put her, carried him on her shoulder. Asked Rashi, look up the Rashi. Why did she carry her kid on her shoulder? Why didn't she let him walk? Rashi says, because he had chayim. He had fever. He was sick. So asked Rashi, how could he be sick? The first person to get sick was Yaakov Avinu. Before then, a person would die. He would sneeze and he would die. That's why we say gesundheit. So Rashi asked, how could it be that she had to carry him on his shoulder that he got sick? Nobody was sick till Yaakov Avinu. So Rashi answers, Kasara sim olav ayin hara. Sarah put an ayin hara on Yishmael, and that's what made him sick. That's one Rashi. Next Rashi by, by Matan Torah. And, and the Gemara that talks about, so, yeah. it would be very... Right, Yaakov Avinu came down to the time, come in 12 different doors, I don't want you to get an Ayin Hara. There's many proofs. I don't have the share in front of me, but I, I did a lot of investigating. And there's many, many proofs about Ayin Hara. And, and it's not, it's not an old wife's tale. It's not, it's not something like, you know, and it's very interesting. It's asked, how come it's not called a Nayim Ra? When you look at someone for jealousy, you're looking at it with two eyes. It's called Ayin Hara. It's called one eye, right? Who's actually Bilam's power. Bilam had one eye that could give you such an Ayin Hara that it would turn you into stone. Get a big, big clash with this one eye that Bilam had, whatever, it's a whole story. But, but why isn't it called a Nayim Ra? Somebody's looking at you, they're not looking at you like this, they're looking at you with two eyes. So Tom and Hagen said something beautiful. He says, if a person looks with two eyes, he would never be jealous of someone else. If you use both your eyes and you realize that every person has a different part in life, then he would never give someone an eye and heart. The jealousy comes because you're only looking at him with one eye. That's why it's called that's why he brings down time and hug him. That's why it's called an Ayin Hara. The way Ayin Hara works, which is very interesting, I don't, you know, I dive in before I come in here that I should just say what Hashem wants me to say. Definitely Ayin Hara was not part of Yisrael. But um, the way it works is very, is, is, it works like this. If you, if, if someone's jealous of you, right? So let's say we'll make it very plain. You buy, you buy a new dress, a very beautiful dress, right? And you walk into this wedding and these women look at you and women sometimes have a way of looking at other women up and down. Up and down, like, and you know, it's, 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 you shouldn't look at someone like that. Because it's automatically you're gonna give him an iron heart. You should never look at someone up and down like that, like, you know, look what she's wearing. And you can see sometimes in the person's face, you can see the jealousy, you might as well see it's like, wow. She must have spent a lot of money on that dress. You're already figuring how much money she spent. She must have lost weight to get into it. And this whole thing that's going through your head, right? And you have this jealousy of how come she has such a beautiful dress and I don't have such a beautiful dress. Therefore, she has so much money and I don't have so much money. You have all this stuff in your head, right? What happens when you do that to someone else? So in Shemayim, each one of us has a malach. Everyone in this room has an angel. And that angel protects you. Now, when you're jealous of someone else, that angel goes in front of Hashem and says, I don't understand. My person, she's such a good person, she doesn't have what that girl has. I want to see her book. I want to see why you're giving her a dress that my customer, my my person, does not have. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu is MS. So if the Malach comes up and says, I want to know why she has this dress and I'm not, Hashem has to answer. So they open the other person's books. Now, you don't ever want to be audited. Only once a year you get audited. And that's on Rosh Hashanah. It's not good to get audited. Now, Hashem does as a chesed. He doesn't check every day what's in your books unless someone forces him to open those books. And if he opens those books and there's a reason that this girl who doesn't have the dress is really a bigger tzaddikistah that Hashem has to take away that dress. Or more than that, because he's like, okay, once we have our books open, why does she have this? Why does she have this? Why does she not good to get your books open? That's why you're not supposed to get dressed in a, in a red color. You're not supposed to get looked at. You're not supposed to be ostentatious. What you have in your house behind closed doors that nobody sees, that's fine. But you're not supposed to splash in front of people's eyes because the minute they're jealous, it opens up your books. Once your books are open, it's not good. Anytime the IRS does an audit, they will always find something. They're not going to walk away, right? Unless your mom is unbelievable. You don't want your books open. If you get an eye in horror, your books are open. And once your books are open, there has to be a judgment. 
Shonayin Hara is a very bad thing. And that's how it works. Now, how do you protect yourself from that? Red string, baloney. Baloney. They're making good money, putting it around, roughly made thing, and selling it to you. The red string, I'll tell you where the red string comes from. The idea of the red string, from what I learned when I prepared this year, is if I put a red string around my wrist, and you look at me, and there's something red on my wrist, your eyes are going to be drawn to the red string. The red string is worthless. It's a red string. So you're not going to give me an iron horror. Because if I'm wearing red around my wrist, you're going to see it. Meanwhile, most people have this red string in, in a gold, you know, bracelet, and the person's looking at it and saying, wow, I wish I had one of those. So it's supposed to work to stop you from the INR, and meanwhile, it's like, oh, poo-poo-poo. By the way, the poo-poo-poo is, is a Chinese platter called a poo-poo platter. Poo-poo-poo doesn't do nothing. Smacking yourself in the mouth doesn't do nothing. And chas v'sholom, I don't know where people get this, this knock on wood. Knock on wood is Christianity, and it comes from knocking on a wooden cross. So don't ever say knock on wood. Okay? Anyone who says knock on wood should be banging on their head, because that's what it is. Right? Don't ever say knock on wood. So that all that stuff, poo-poo-poo, knock on wood, slap yourself in the mouth, spit six times over your shoulder, I don't know what you do, whatever it is. All that, all that stuff doesn't work. It doesn't work. But what does work is, number one, to be very modest. To be very modest. I have a big problem with iron horror. There's a, there's a, there's a whole thing, these iron horror ladies that pour lead, right? So it happens to be brought down. Oferes, that pouring lead, happens to be, um, something that takes off an iron horror. The problem with it is, is that people get iron horrors, they pour lead, and then the next day, they can pour lead again, and they can have these big eyes. There's, there's, um, I've done it because I'm in public, and I speak in public, and people, when they see someone in public, they're, sometimes they're jealous or whatever it is. So whenever I go to Eretz Yisrael, I go to this very holy lady who pours lead. And of course, what happens when you pour the lead with the eighth of grass and everything else, so it comes out like a, if there's an iron hara, it comes like, like a round, the, 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 the lead comes out like a round, and sometimes there's a lot of people giving you iron haras, and that thing has like 20 eyes, right? So, the pouring lead, it's brought down time and hug him. It works. It's brought down time and hug him. The, pro- the problem with it is, that two minutes later, you get another iron out. So you can't sit by them all day having them pour lead on you, over your head. But whatever it is, it's, it's interesting. I, I can't tell you how many eyes I've, I've got, like, a lot of, there's a lot of eyes on me. But, what? No, it's, they pour lead in, 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 not on your head. They pour it in, in like a pot that's above your head on the top. Whatever it is. It takes away the iron horror, but it lasts, you know, you come back the next day, it's back again. Because whoever's giving you the iron horror, the minute they see you, so it's like, Whatever. It's, it can't hurt, but it's not, you know. So anyway, they're called the Iron Horror Ladies. Yes. I just wanted to say something. Many years ago, um, I had a shackles and with my husband to the simple afternoon, the senator of the parliament. And I had gotten some expensive jewelry. And I was concerned about Iron Horror. And I thought if I spoke to the simple, he could alleviate my... You know, he could set me straight, you know. And he said to me, wear it in the house. And he understood. Right. There's no, there's no shy. Well, there's, right. Why did he say to you, he could have just said to you, don't believe in it. But Rav Simcha Wasserman, it's something that exists. And if your books get opened up, right, you know, pouring the lead is very nice. It helps you for, for, for a couple of minutes over there. But if your books get opened up, your books get opened up. So, so the real, the really only way around it is number one, not to wear it out in everybody's face. And, and sometimes you can't win. You know, you buy fake stuff and, 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 and everyone looks at it and they think it's real because of who you are. So the real way that I found in my investigating is very simple. It's very hard. It's very simple. If you, are not jealous of other people, then your malach has a defense. When they go to Shemayim, Bezin Shemayla, and this woman who looked at you, whoever looked at you and was jealous, right? The malach says, open up her books. Why isn't my person getting what she has? If you don't give Ayin Harris and you're not a jealous person, your malach has a right to say, she never caused God to open up anyone else's book. And therefore, you don't have a right to open her book. And Hashem 
is Mida Kineged Mida. So the real only way to protect yourself from Ayin Hara is not to be jealous of other people. If you give other people an Ayin Hara, not on purpose, you're jealous of them, which causes this to happen, then you have no defense. You have no defense. The only defense you have is if you work on yourself and you don't have this kinna, this jealousy, then your Malach has the right to say, what do you mean? She never caused anyone else's books to be open. You can't open her books. I saw it and say, you're protected. There's also all kinds of things to say, but, but this, is all, this is all very hard stuff. They used to say this, with shyness, these things about two witches on a stone. It's all brought down in Tama and Hagen, whatever. But all that stuff we can't do anymore today. The only protection from Ayin Hara is that you don't give other people Ayin Hara. You don't have kinna. You don't have jealousy of other people. You protect yourself. There's also something very interesting, that if you're born in Ador Shani, nobody can give you an Ayin Hara. Any person born in Ador Shani cannot get an Ayin Hara. Why? Why? Interesting. I mean, I, I'm giving you the share that I gave these years ago. I spent, I spent three months before I gave that share. There wasn't, it wasn't an Ornava. It was to actually, in, in Teaneck, New Jersey, to men and women. And they asked me to give a share. Spent three months working on this. And, um, Ayin, Hara, so it opens up your books. And again, like I'm saying, if you don't, if you don't, cause somebody else to do it, it's, it's, um, it's, a, it's a very big protection for you. Why but, you but Ador Shani, listen to why. The Ayin Hara that you're given works through your mazel. In other words, it's the can do it to bring it to Shemayim is through your mazel. Ador Shani has no mazel. Because every month has a mazel, but the extra month is a machlekes. It has no mazel. It doesn't mean that, that you're in trouble. Just the opposite. It's the best month to be born in. It's brought down. It has all the mazolim together because it's other sheni. So it's Nisan, Iyer, Sivan. It has. It's the thirteenth month. So it has all the other twelve months. If you have all the other twelve months, nobody can give you an Einhar because they, they're all. Every, every one of us has only one month. I'm born in Tammuz. That's my. That's my. That is my nature. Which is, I mean, again, okay, the shear is going a little bit off course, but that's what Hashem where he wants me to go. I'm going to go there. So this is very hard to understand. It's very hard to understand, but it's very important to understand. Every month that you're born in, every month that you're born in has a sign. Right? It sounds very goyish. But it's not very goyish. If you open up any sitter, right, to the bracha of Tal or Mashaburuch Hashem, you will see that it talks about every single mazel. Every single mazel. Now, I'm born in the mazel of, of, of Tammuz. Tammuz is a satin. Satin is like a crab, which is in water. So my sign, right, sounds goyish, is water, is mayim. Now there are certain midos that are in that month. There are certain behaviors that are in that month. And then there are certain behaviors, there's a leo, there's a, right, we call it, we call it our mazel tre, we call it a Hebrew name, but actually that's how the Aries, all these things are translated from art now. But Lemaisa, it says, the Klal is not towing in Mazel. We have the power to go above our Mazel. So what are these Mazel? What, what is this all about? So every single month has certain natures, anger, patience, love, cheapness, open-handedness. I mean, I'm sure some of you know about signs, right? So... When HaKadosh Baruch Hu, it's just very, it's very interesting, it's very deep, it's very interesting. When HaKadosh Baruch Hu puts your soul into this world, so you have a certain trip you need to take. You're, because of your Gilgal, because of your Tikkun, you have to come to this world, let's say last time you stole from somebody, let's say last time you were very cheap. So now you're going to come back in the mazel of being very cheap. And you have to rise above it. Now a Jew can rise above his mazel, because he has Torah, and he has Tefillah, and Avram Avinu, this is, this is Judaism. Avram Avinu, when Hashem went to him and said, you're going to have a child, the tyrant says he took him, he took Avram Avinu above, he took him outside, took him above the stars. Because in the month that Avram Avinu was born, he was an Akar. He could not have children. So Hashem had to take him above his mazel. There's a whole thesis on this. So each one of us is born in a certain mazel. And left alone, left alone, that's who you're going to be. Cheap, Loving, you know, out there. Each one has its own own thing. But, because we have Torah, 
because we have mitzvahs, we're able to go above that mazel. But in that mazel is our test. So Hashem takes the neshama, and he says, okay, this guy needs a tikkun, he needs to be born in Tammuz. For him to make this trip through life, and give him the ability to overcome what he did wrong last time, that he's here this time, we got to give him the tools. The tools for this neshama to accomplish what it needs to take, is it must be born with the midos of Tammuz. This one, the midos of Tishrei. This one, the midos of, of Adar, which is a water sign. And every single person is placed in the mazel of that month. But the, the mazel in the 13th month is untouchable. So a person, a child, is born in Adar Shani, you can't give him an Ayin Hara. And it's brought down, it's brought down, that I believe it was Moshe Rabbeinu was born in the 13th month. He was Zion Ad... Oh, that's what it was. When Haman... Haman was a sorcerer. Haman was brilliant in using the stars. Haman tried to destroy Klaithro because Moshe Rabbeinu was born on Zion Adar. He was born on Zion Adar he died on Zion Adar. So he used Ayin Horus. He brought down the Medrash and Esther. He tried all his stuff to affect the mazel of Ador to destroy us. What he didn't know was that Moshe Rabbeinu was born in Zion Ador Shani. And therefore, he could not affect Moshe Rabbeinu's mazel. He could not connect his kisha for whatever that he was doing because he didn't know that Moshe Rabbeinu was born in the second month. So everything is set. Everything, HaKadosh Baruch Hu sets everything up. If you're born in that month, not an accident. You just happen to be born in that month. And in that month, you have the kaychis to overcome. He gives you the weapons to overcome what you need to do in this world. There was a, there was a, um, an Israeli group of soldiers that used to go behind lines. They used to paratroop behind lines. They were like, like, the, like the Navy SEALs of the Israeli army. But they were very careful not to tell them where they were going and what their job was in case one of them was a spy. So if they could tell them where they're going, the enemy's going to be waiting for them. So they were a very famous group. And the, the, they would never tell them what they had to do. So how did they know what they had to do? So the, the, the general would tell them, you get on the plane, I think there were 12 of them. You get on a plane, we're going to give each one of you a backpack, a duffel bag. You're not to open that duffel bag until you parachute and land in the enemy's territory. And they're like, but I don't know what you want me to do. I don't know my position. You open the duffel bag, you'll know your position. So one guy lands, he opens his duffel bag, he's got a radio. So he realized, I'm the radio man. Puts the radio pack on his back. Next day, he comes with a, sni- a sniper rifle. I'm the sniper. Next day, he comes with a grenade launcher. Next day, he comes with a tank. Each guy, by opening up his backpack, realizes, at that point, once they landed, so there's no way that a spy can tell anybody, realizes, what am I here for? Every single person has to go into their backpack and look at what are the matanis that Hashem gave me, Right? I was a very good storyteller all my life as a kid. It used to get me out of a lot of trouble, and it used to get me into a lot of trouble. It went both ways. So I knew that in my backpack, Hashem gave me the ability to tell a good story, to tell a really good story. So when, when, when I looked at what I could do, I knew that I'm a, I'm a good storyteller. Now, I could use that for business. So even, even when you know what's in your backpack, right, it would be very silly for the communication guy who has a radio with a long antenna Right? To be pointing the antenna at the enemy and trying to shoot him. Because you can't shoot with a communication. And it would be very silly for the sniper to take his rifle and be talking into it. Because that's not going to help anybody. Right? So you, you, you not, you not only have to know what's in your backpack, but you have to know how to use it. So, so once you find out what you're good at, you know, some people that I know, they're unbelievable people. They could sit with autistic and Down syndrome kids and really volunteer and help them. But when I ask them to go to a hospital to a kid with cancer, they can't do it. Now that doesn't mean that they think that they're bad. They have a kayak with children. They don't have a kayak with sickness. Everybody has in their backpack. And when you go home tonight, you have to look at yourself and say, you know, we had this, this girl that was here actually in Arnava five, six years ago. More than that, maybe seven years ago. She had an amazing voice like an opera singer, an amazing voice. And she came to me, she said, 
why did Hashem give me this voice? I'm, I'm not allowed to sing. I can't be an opera singer. I'm a frum girl. What am I going to do with it? Uh, I'm, I'm going to go and, uh, and I'm going to do a play, a, a school play. You have to give me such a voice for school play. I'm, she's an opera singer. She's a crazy voice. And I said, that's your job. Hashem gave you the voice. Now you have to find how you could use it to help other people. And I'm sure that if you sit in a room with someone that's sick and you sing to them and they're not feeling well, you can make them feel unbelievable music and be able to sing. So every person wants an artist. You can always use what Hashem put in your backpack to help people. Now, some of us can't draw to save our lives. Some of us are artists. Some of us are musicians. Some of us have deep understanding of people. Some of us have no patience for people, but we have patience for other things. You have to, you have to look into your backpack and say, what you, you, I was born in this month and I have a job to do. What, what do I, what is my, you know, my ability? Look at the Chama. The Chama was a poet. She's sitting here right now. I'll say it in front of her. She was a poet. I hope you don't mind. When she came to Arnava, right, she'll tell you, she was struggling with Hashem. So, so Hashem gave her a Kayach when she was a young girl that she could write poems. I mean, you hear this every week, so maybe you get used to it. But if you, when Mitch, when she comes out with her book, which is coming out in Mitzvah Hashem, and you read her poems, this is not Stama poet. She writes very deep, very, very deep. Now, I am sure that when she first looked in her backpack that she could write poems, she didn't connect that to the ability to, to write poems and to speak in front of Rabbi Wallerstein every single week with people watching. And by the way, I got another present to give you. Somebody sent to the, to the, uh, to the office. Right? I don't get no presents ever for any of my speeches. You, you get dishes and presents. Here's a perfect example. Because Baruch Hu put in her backpack poetry. But it took her a while to realize it's not just to write poems, stam, but it's to write beautiful poems. Her poem about the seagull, you, I'm sure that if the President of the United States knew about this poem, he wouldn't have had what's-her-name singing her poems. I forgot that, that lady that sang it. He'd have the chama. It's so deep. It's so beautiful about this bird that's lost and it's looking to rest somewhere and has nowhere to rest. And, I, and I'm hearing her saying this and I'm saying, oh my God, Hashem gave her matana. But look how long she carried that matana. Now she found that how to use that beautiful thing, that beautiful gift that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave. Right? There's another woman sitting here in front of me, Ruth, who doesn't want me to talk to, about her at all. This is a woman... That, that, that went through a tough life and what is she doing with her ability? She goes to a hospital and she, and no, you have to understand that. She, she looked at herself and she said, what's my tachlis in this life? Going to work, just working, right? I can, I have the ability to care, to go to a hospital and to listen to people's problems and to help them, right? And that, that's my, that's what I have my ability. You can have that ability for your whole life and never use it. She uses it when she's not feeling well. It doesn't make a difference. Because when you know what you have, even when you're not feeling well, even when you're not feeling well, you're going to be there. Listen, I had every excuse not to come here tonight. I had every excuse. I got two broken kneecaps. I, I'm, I'm from Eretz Yisrael. I was there for 10 days. So for me right now, it's 20 to 5 in the morning. No, 20 to 6 in the morning. I already, I already getting, finishing my chayk uh, and getting ready to daven. So for me, it's 20 to 6 in the morning. I am wiped out of my head. I spoke in Burial this morning. I spoke last night in Lakewood. And, and, and I'm thinking to myself, you know what? Just call somebody else tonight. Just call somebody else tonight. And I'm like, but if you don't give shit tonight, then there's no shit, because I didn't give shit last night, that's going to go on to Torah anytime. And people are going to come Shabbos, and they're going to want to hear a shir, and it's not gonna be my, I'm not going to be there. And the other shit they're not going to put up. So I'm thinking to myself, God gave you a power and a koyach, you, you can't sit home and go put your head on the pillow. God's going to say, you got an anti-tank missile in your hands and you're sleeping as the tank goes by? You can't do that. Well, so that, that's this week's Pasha. By Yishma Yisrael. So now you know, and everybody in this room is talented. There's nobody in this room that doesn't have a talent. You should know that. Whether it's music or art or patience or be able to talk to a kid or to talk to a, or to talk to an adult or not to talk at all. But you, but somebody have, somebody will have a great ability to listen. I don't have such a great ability. That's why I talk so much. When people come to talk to me and they're like, two minutes in, I'm talking already. And they're like, hold on. Let me finish what I have to say. I don't have such a great ability to listen. I have a, I have a bigger ability to talk. I'm usually not a man of small words, of, you know, little words. So everybody has their koyach. And Hashem gives you that koyach. And He puts you in a certain month. And you gotta run with it. And that's what the three parsha is about. But Yishma, you saw the whole world heard. Oh! 
Everything's cool. Let's go to the bar, man. Doesn't affect me. There's so many things that we hear a whole day. Our own kids, our own kids tell us certain things. And, and we hear them, yes, a hundred percent. You're right. Okay. Go watch Elmo. You know, and I, I gotta do my things. And, and we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't react to it. There's, there's, in Yiddish is heron, which means to hear, and there's da heron. It means, it means to feel. And sometimes you could sit here a whole night, and I don't know how many of you are gonna go to Jody afterwards, and don't have to do it because I'm sitting here, right, and say, I want to volunteer. We don't ask much of everyone else. Everybody heard us say it, but very few people die-haired it. In other words, I'm not walking out of here until I help these people. If I can, maybe I can, maybe I don't have the time, fine. I'm just saying, and, 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 and I'm giving sure my whole life, and you see, I'll get, I was in Eretz Yisrael, I spoke, um, I spoke to, there were I think a thousand people there, when I spoke in the Great Synagogue, which was t- unbelievable, um, and um, I spoke about a certain subject, and I got two emails, that I want you to know you changed my life, and um, I, I'm changing what I'm doing, whatever it is, there were a thousand people there, I got two emails. So everybody heard it, everybody loved it, Rabbi Olowski was there, he is funny, I was on the floor half the time, and he was tough, and he gave a message, and I don't think he got that many emails either, because we hear, we hear a lot of things, we hear a lot of stuff, but we don't react. So Hashem wanted us to know, in Pasha's Yisro girls, ladies, that before I got, before I give you the Torah, sure you're going to hear all that Sarah Sadibros, but you know what, if you just hear them, you're going to make an ego. You're going to make an ego, because it didn't change you. He didn't change you. Very good story. How many of us have gone to Shirim for seven years and still haven't changed? How could that be? Because it's great. I heard about it. But I didn't change myself. I, I just want to end. I'll tell you this. And we'll do the Chayk Mitzvah Hashem next week. I'll have more Chayk to do with you. The, 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 it's in my red light story. It's like the most famous story that I ever... That, that, that's the craziest story. But I want you to hear how you can hear a story and not hear a story. So I'm all excited. I tell this story because it changed my life when I heard it. And it's it's really... It's really, it has to do with this week's parasha. So, there was this girl who lived in Chicago, and she wasn't from at all. Her parents knew nothing, really very little about Judaism. And, um, her name was Miriam. So they sent her to a day, to a, a Sunday, like Talmud Torah program, but it was Reformed Jews. It was like a Reformed temple. And her parents just wanted her to know a little bit about Judaism and Israel, so they sent her to, to this school. Now this school had a rule, since they were Reformed Jews, they had mainly orthodox teachers, because those are the only ones that knew how to teach Tyra. But the rule was that you can now how to take your kids, any of your students home for Shabbos. Because we don't want anybody coming out of here religious. We want them to have a Jewish identity. And the main thing is Israel. The main thing is Israel, Zionists. So this girl, Miriam, who came from this totally irreligious family, ends up going to this school. She, she comes in, she's in sixth grade, and this teacher, this religious woman is teaching her, and she goes over to this woman and says, you know, I heard about the Shabbos thing. I would love to come to your house for Shabbos. Now, meanwhile, this teacher has a thing that she's not allowed to invite. She says, you know what? The kid came to me. I'm not pushing her away because some Reformed Jews don't want me. So she took her home for Shabbos. So she's about to light the Shabbos candles. Little Miriam, sixth grader, standing next to her. And Miriam says to her, where's my candles? And she says, no, no, the minigar custom is I light the candles for the whole house. Whoever's here... We just, I just lighted two candles and, and, and that's it. So Miriam says to her, but you don't understand. My mother doesn't light candles. In my house, there's never candles. And if, if I don't light now, I probably will never get another chance to light candles. So could I please light candles? So this teacher is a little sixth grader. So she takes out two candles, and she puts in the two candles, and she stands next to her, and she gives her the bracha. And she says, okay, read with me. And she does the whole thing, and she does the bracha. And this little girl is standing there, and she's making a wish, it's like a like a birthday cake. She doesn't know from this stuff, right? So you light candles, you make a wish, right? Fine. They finish lighting candles. She's there for Shabbos. The funny part is that when I heard the story from the seminary girl, she said that this teacher did not get fired. She never told them she came for Shabbos. Miriam never told them she came for Shabbos. She she continued teaching. Okay, Miriam finishes eighth grade. So now appears in center of high school, the south side of Chicago. Not such a good place to go to high school. Right across the street from where these people were living was a Catholic high school. They're not religious Jews. They're totally secular. They're not connected. So they send her to this Catholic school. And ninth grade, 10th grade, she's praying a little bit with them. Her name is no longer Miriam. They're calling her Mary, like everybody else in the school. 
she totally loses her identity the little bit that she had now she goes I think she went to Xavier in Chicago a, a, a college whatever it is she goes to college she falls in love with an Italian guy his name is Vinny and um, it's a true story and she's going to marry Vinny but to her it's nothing she's married it's Vinny it's, she lost she, they didn't have anything these people knew nothing okay now the story was told by her to two seminary girls you have to hear this crazy story so it's on she's getting married on Saturday in a church to Vinny and her parents are happy everything's fine so she gets into the car into the limo she's going to take her to the church and she's very happy with herself and she's got these three girls you know they wear the same clothing that's what they call them um, bridesmaids right so this so they're She's got her three best friends, not Jewish people, not Jewish girls, sitting in the in the limo with her, and she gets into the limo, you know, going to get married. The limo's with the cans and the balloons, and they got some ices. And she's on her way shopping. She's going to church to get married. You hear this? She's going to church to get married. So they're driving, and these three girls that are with her, they're like, "I don't know if we should tell you." She's like, "What?" She says, "But I don't know if we should tell you." She's like, "What?" They're like, "We bought you a beautiful present." She's like, "Let me see it." They're like, "No." After you get married, we're going to give it to you. She goes, no, you shouldn't have told me. Now you have to show it to me. You know how girls can get. Anyway, so so they said, okay, we'll make you a deal. If you close your eyes, if you close your eyes and you don't look, you don't look, we'll show it to you. You have to promise you won't look. She said, I promise that's on or whatever you want. I'm not going to look. So they open up this box, this velvet box, and they take out this gold chain and on the gold chain is a big gold cross with diamonds around the cross. And this is their present to this Jewish girl, who's one of them, who's marrying Vinny on Chavez. So she's like, can I look? And they're like, no, not until we tell you. And they take this chain and they put it around her neck and one of them's holding the cross. And she says, can I look? And they're like, no. She says, well, I know it's a necklace. Right? But there's something on the necklace. She's like, what? No, you can't look yet. And this is how this girl says over the story. It's unbelievable. And the girl that's holding the cross, let's go. And the cross, when it hits Mary's body, all of a sudden this voice from within her soul screams, no! All the way, this is how she tells the story. All the way to Shemayim, breaks through the gates, breaks through everything. And God's sitting on his throne, and my luck went around, and this human, painful soul voice screaming from earth, no. No! Maza, what's going on? Something comes running out. God, this one's mine. She's on Shabbos, she's going to marry Vinny, she has nothing to do with Judaism, her name is Mary. God, you got to let this one go. She's not going anywhere. Okay? She's not commanding a guy. She's going to church on Shabbos. So Bezin Shalmayla is about to say, Nope, what can we do for her? When this little teeny malach comes out. This is how she says the story. And of course the Sultan says, Oh, every Jew has this little teeny malach. As I'm about to get them, is this little Jewish angel that has to open his mouth. What do you want? And the angel says, I am the angel of Miriam's Shabbos candles. She lit Shabbos candles. And that's a mitzvah that nobody could take away from her. So the Bezin Shalmayla says, how long, how long did she spend at those Shabbos candles? And the answer, 40 seconds. So the Bezin Shalmayla says, 40 seconds of lighting candles you have to give her 40 seconds to do tshuva. Mida connected Mida. Now let's go back to earth. She's on her way to the, to the church. Red light, car stops. Hashem runs the world. There's a Jep group that came to Chicago. They had a convention of all the Jeps from them. New York, all over the place. There's four Brooklyn girls standing at that corner. Jep girls. Totally lost looking for a shul. The car stops. The windows open. They see it's a guy. Right? It's Shabbos. They run over, one of them runs over to the car. Says, excuse me, light's still red. Says, excuse me, 
we're lost. That's all she said. We're lost. Meanwhile, she was lost. But they said, we're lost. Light turns green. She tells the driver, pull over. I think I know where these kids are going. Pulls over. And she says to them, are you looking for a temple, an Orthodox temple? I used to go to school. Um, there used to be reform and they sold it. It's right here. It's next to my house. I can tell you, I can even show you how to get there. It's right here. And this girl, the New York girl, she's looking at this girl and she says, what do you mean you went to, to Hebrew school? Why would you go to Hebrew school? And she says, what do you mean? I'm Jewish. So she says to her, she says, how she tell the story? She's chutzpah, this kid. Says to her, you're Jewish? Well, that surely does not look like a muggy dove around your neck. And she was wearing a cross. So she says, so the driver says, okay, get in the car, we'll take you. She says, no, no, they're not going to go. I, they're religious girls. They're not going to go in the car. We'll show them. So she drives. And meanwhile, these Jeff girls are thinking, oh my gosh, Jewish girl marrying a guy, going on Shabbos to church. We got to do something. So this girl who went over to the door, who was very, very smart, when they pull into the driveway of the shul, she turns to, to Mary, to Miriam, and she says to her, well, if you're going to get married and you're Jewish, don't you need a rabbi? Don't you need a, a rabbi? She says, yeah, but what rabbi? She said, well, we probably could get you a blessing from the rabbi in the shul. Why don't you come with us into the shul? She says, really? You think I, he would give me a blessing? Let's ask him. Just get her out of that car. So she gets out of the car, and the girl says to her, but you can't wear that thing when you go into the synagogue. It's not, it's not respect, if you don't mind. She says, oh, yes, I, I respect that. I understand. She takes the chain off and puts it on the chair. And then Neshama's like, okay, we can breathe again. We got a shot at this. She walks in. That's how the girl says over the story. She walks in to this shul in Chicago to the Ezra's Nashim. Now, the Rebbitzin's sitting there with all these Chicago women. Baruch Hashem was out of town, right? In, in walks this girl in not such a sneer-sticker wedding gown. And the Rebbitzin tells all the women quietly, listen, she's probably about tshuva. And she takes this whole Shabbos Kala thing very serious. So she doesn't know, but she put on the, she's wearing this gown. Don't laugh. Don't even look at her differently. I'll put a scarf over her, whatever it is. You know, they don't understand. They hear, you know, Likras Kala, Luchadaydi. You know, just be nice. In New York, it would have been a different reaction. Trust me. Anyway, so she sits down. Her book was amazing. Where does she sit down? It's the end of davening. And they have, it's Ashkenaz, and they have this kid, the kids are singing Enkel Okenu. So she sits down, this is what she hears. Enkel Okenu, Enkel Adenenu, and these kids are singing it. Then they sing Aleinu, then they sing Adam's Mirrors, and she's like just totally, was never in a shul. She never went in the shul Shabbos. And she's sitting there, all these holy women are davening, and she's just like, wow. So the Rebbitzin says to her, listen, you know, I see this is something new to you, where are you going? I mean, I see you in a wedding gown. She says, I want to marry Vinny and I want to church and all that. And the Reverend says, well, well, you don't know who you are. You don't know anything about Judaism. Don't you want to get married? Because really, you're not really married. Don't you want to get married by a rabbi? You know, this is not, you can't get married by a rabbi in a church on Shabbos to a non-Jew. I think that you should investigate your roots a little bit before you jump into this. And, and, and she says, you know what? You know, maybe you're right. Maybe I'll, I'll put it off. Unbelievable. So she goes back to the car. You know, they're honking already. Right? She was supposed to go in there for a minute. And she comes back to the car. This is what happens. It's crazy. She goes back to the car and they're like, no, not new. Where are you? You know? Where are you? She said, you know what? I met this really beautiful woman and she's so holy and a bunch of holy women and these kids were singing and she says, you know, I really know, I get to, I gotta get to know my religion a little bit more. So, so, um, she invited me, this, this, this Rebbitson invited me for lunch. So do me a favor. Tell Vinny, that, that I'll call them later and, and maybe we need to think this out whatever it is and they're like we knew it you Jews are all alike you knew the minute you walked into that temple that this whole thing was going to be off and they were very nasty to her and she turned to them one of them and said you know what you and Vinny are always looking at each other here you, you, you got the wedding you got the church you got the priest right you can keep my cross you marry him and she goes you know what I will so now she goes to this house for Shabbos. Of course, 
she falls in love with Yiddishkeit because Shabbos is what, what I really wanted to learn about tonight. Shabbos is the Yichud of Hashem and Klai Yisrael. Anybody who experiences a Shabbos, it changes your whole life. It's not the Cholent and the Kolot, it's the, it's the whole thing. And these, this rabbi in Rebetzin ended up sending her to Eretz Yisrael to Nevei. To Nevei in Eretz Yisrael. And to make a long story short, she's there for a few years, they read her a Shidduch to a, a guy that went through the same thing pretty much, who became a, who became a Balchuva, and they get married. And this guy is the Rav Aral Chassid, which is the strictest Hasidim in Mesharim. Did you imagine such a marriage? These two seminary girls are sent by their seminary. You know, they go to all these different houses, Svaradim, Ashkenazim, rich, poor. You have to have a seminary experience and try all these things out. So they send these two to this, this family, Rav Aral's family, they have an open door. They should, they should experience Rav Aral Shabbos. So these two girls come for Shabbos to this house of this woman, of Mary, who's now Miriam. And they come to this house, and the guy, the, the husband leaves to go down in, and she comes downstairs to light candles. And she's in a wedding gown. At least two seminary girls are like, <laughs> okay, it's a Hasidish thing, Rav Aral, I don't know. You know, we don't, we don't know. The women light in, in wedding gowns, you know, could be, whatever it is. And they sit there, and they said that she stood there for 45 minutes, because women don't know, but it says that when you stand in front of your Shabbos candles, you're standing in front of the Menorah and the Beis HaMikdash. That's what you are, you're a Kayin. So whatever you've been diving for, that is your holiest moment. So she's standing there, they said for 45 minutes, she had names of, of people who don't have children, she had names of divorces, she had names of everyone that needed help, like Mama Shakakala, when she goes down, 45 minutes she stood by those candles praying for the whole, for, all, for everybody. And then she finished lighting and she had like three little Chesidisha boys on one side, three little Chesidisha girls on the other side, her kids, her six kids, and then she finished lighting and she goes over to the girls and she says, I know you think this is a little bit weird, but I found God in this dress. And I made up my mind, I found God on Shabbos and for the rest of my life I will light the candles in this dress. Okay? Unbelievable story. To think about a red light, and if you go outside tonight and you go home, measure the time. 40 seconds. Hashem gave her 40 seconds. She went from marrying Vinny in a church to becoming a mother of six kids, Rav Arala, in the middle of Yerushalayim. So don't think that 40 seconds can't change your whole life. Because Baruch can take you from the church and Vinny to be in Rav Arala Chassidisha. And to daven at your candles for 45 minutes. Why? Because she spent 40 seconds in her life doing a mitzvah. It's the power of a mitzvah. This story makes me crazy. Because every one of us in this room has a red light. And when you come up after 120 years, God's going to say, this was your red light, and it turned green, and you just continue doing what you were doing. You had that moment where you heard something, and you said, oh my God, i got to change. By the time you got home, the light turned green and never happened. And God gives us so many red lights, so many 40 seconds where we can change our whole life and we just go right through the green light. So I'm very crazy about this story. So I'm not, I'm not going to tell you where I was speaking, but I'm speaking. There's like a hundred women in the room and I tell them this story. And when I finish the story, three women walk up to me and they're like, Brother Walston, that was a wonderful story, but it's a lie. And we can tell that you made it up. I said, excuse me, I heard this story from a seminary girl that was a teacher in Crown Heights Yeshiva, and I don't make up stories. And even if you thought so, why would you come up and tell it to me? And this is what they said after such a story. They're like, it can't be true. I'm like, why can't it be true? I've seen people's lives change in less than 40 seconds. And they said, Rabbi, listen to what you said. She lit the candles in the same dress. She had three little boys, three little girls. There's no way that after having six kids, she could fit into that gown. <laughs> and I'm sitting here looking at these women, and they're very serious. And I'm like, huh? <laughs> That's what you got from the whole story? That how could you have six kids and fit into the same gown? And then one woman piped up and... and what about her sneers? You said that the gown wasn't sneers. I'm like, lady, she went, she got it tailored. And if it makes you happy and that you shouldn't be jealous, it was a size two when she was going to marry Vinny. 
And now I learned that there's a size that doesn't exist, which is called a size nine, right? So I said, and now she's a size nine. She let it out. Are you happy now, ladies? Are you happy that after six kids, she lost her figure? I mean, what do you want? That's what you got from the story. That's what you got from the story. And the answer is yes. They were at Har Sinai and they only saw fire and smoke and thunder and a production. And that's all they got from the story. And therefore, they could make an Adel. And in this story, you hear such a story, and you walk away, and you're like, no, 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 no. No, how could she fit into the same dress? Ah, can't be. It's the same thing. And that's why the Pusik starts. The book where we stand up this Shabbos, when we hear that Sarah Sadibros, it starts with by Yishma Yisro. Yisro heard. But hearing means he reacted. He got up. He left Midian. He became a gear. He took Zipporah and the children to Moshe Rabbeinu. And he changed. Look what he did. Same thing. He changed the whole way that Kaisal was run. Moshe Rabbeinu was the only one that was dealing with the Jews. And he said, no good. You're not going to be able to return all your calls. And there are too many people online that are not going to be able to see you. No, we have to make judges of 500, judges of 1,000, judges of 100. He changed the whole system. Why? Because he didn't just hear. He died. He took what he heard and he changed his life. And that's what this Shabbos is all about. The Shabbos of Aserah Sadibros. It's not good enough just to hear the Ten Commandments. You have to live the Ten Commandments. Not good enough to learn the subject matter on, on the 613 mitzvahs. You have to live the 613 mitzvahs. So my bracha to everybody here is that Mitzvahs Mitzrayim. Then came Kriyas Yamsuf, then came getting the Torah, and then came Pashas Truma, Tzitzavah, Vayakov, Pekudeh, came the building of the Mishkan. So if we, if we leave Mitzrayim, and we go through Kriyas Yamsuf, and when Makabal Torah, the next thing in the list is the building of the Beis HaMikdash. May we all be Zaycha, Bimheir, Bimeinu, Amen. You've just experienced another Torah class, brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.